let's lift our hands all across the building tonight as a fruit of praise and thanksgiving surrender to him Jesus we thank you here tonight for your presence your hand that is on every heart and every mind today God I plead your blood right now over every individual their mind their heart God let the peace of God settle on the heart and the mind tonight I ask you in Jesus name we pray Jesus name we pray I doubt Moses knew he was a very intuitive, spiritually adept man. That day that he came to that burning bush and it wasn't consumed. It was something he had never seen before. You know, I don't, I wish I had an account that ran through his mind at that moment. Did it catch him so off guard that he, what ran through his mind at the very moment that he saw something in God that he'd never seen before? Negating or regardless of the fact, it was a moment that changed his course I wonder what would happen if we come into the presence of the Lord instead of just coming to church come with the mindset of something's going to show up that I've never seen in God before see this is the thing I'm hungering for for me, for us I don't want just a, a service my Lord now you, you can get a service in Tokyo hear services all over I don't want to just hear a service Brother Bush now or I use the analogy of the day you, you can go to a seminary and they teach you how to preach but you go to God to get a message I want to go to God to get a message but not just a message I want to have an encounter with Him in our services that forever changes the course of my tomorrow I don't know about you, but I'm going to face things tomorrow that I don't have the answer for. But he's already in my tomorrow, and he's already got the answer. And if I can get on the course tonight, I'm prepared for tomorrow. There's something very special tonight, this Wednesday night of service. I don't know what you came here for. I say it all the time. I come here as though it would be my last chance. I preach every message like it's going to be my last message. I give Him praise and worship like it's going to be the last time. Because you and I ain't got no guarantee for tomorrow. And it's hard to repent when you're sucking blood in your lungs and asphalt and everything else. Huh, Dad? All I could remember on that asphalt. Do it, Brother Darrell. I wish a few others would join with him. You don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Come on, if you're able in your body, give him a praise and a worship like it's your last one. 
feel something warming up in here tonight. I thank God for people that spontaneously respond to the Holy Ghost. That's apostolic. Kind of feels like old times, huh, Nick? home together at Eastwood boy, our God would start to move in the for long sister Sandy some of them old labels they get to shout and them bobby kids get to fly men get to run into the power of God falls oh to me that's that's church what you did here tonight that's church just spontaneously responding to the presence of God for those that don't believe in moving in church, I doubt you're going to make heaven. Well, I'm getting heavy right from the beginning. I'm going to make you mad from the beginning. Because heaven is going to be a worship service and a prayer. Let, let me say it like this, and I'll get to my message, and I'll leave this thing alone. When you enter the tabernacle, you enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Hold on. Worship is in the holy place. Here it is. If you can't praise him now in the court, it tells me you ain't in his presence. Don't tell me you're spiritual and you got to walk with God and you can't lift your hands, shout, run, leap. Praise precedes worship. They're two different things. If you can't praise him, you ain't worshiping him. One, two, three, four. I enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. That's declaration of what he is. That's totally different from worship. When you get into the holy place, you're not praising him, you're worshiping him. But all these people say, well, I'm a worshiper of God. If you ain't a praiser, you ain't a worshiper. It's just that simple. Now, you only pray for you if you're mad. That's Bible, folks. That's Bible. And we got to praise him, but then we go in to worship him. Now we're going into the phase where we're going to speak the word and there's going to be a washing of the word. And this is where the word is going to heal and rejuvenate and speak strength to the hearts of God's people. We've praised, we've given thanksgiving. Now we're going to go to the washing. And the closing of it is we're going to worship him. And let me tell you, the presence of the Lord's already here. But what happens is he manifests himself to true worshipers. And he's going to manifest himself to somebody tonight. Everybody okay? Hey, we're all fasting. We should be all right. Anybody hungry other than me? Hi, huh, Brother Daryl. I can eat a little of that backstrap right about now. Thank God for his people and what God's doing in all of us. God's putting something together here that's bigger than what we can imagine. It's, it's breaking our ideologies and mindsets, but I promise you, and me included, 
Because I'm seeing things about the church I've never seen before in Scripture. And God's taking us all together on this path. I called it the old ways. That's how we said at the beginning of it. But you know what? The old ways have got some new things in God that we're going to see. And I'm excited about seeing those things. If you got your Bibles, you know what? Y'all go ahead and be seated. This is, I'm going to start. Tonight will be the forerunner of what I'm... I'm going to start talking about holiness. Um... Bear with me one minute. Let me get this. Quick, don't uh, turn off on me. And uh, here, here's what I want to let me, let me brace, make everybody relax. You say holiness. Everybody think I'm fixing to get on on the things we don't want to talk about standards and all that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not coming that angle tonight. I've really asked the Lord to help me to explain, teach preach however he wants to do it I've always heard holiness is taught and truth but yet in it there, there comes the, the, the unction of the spirit that, that there's a preach but I, I ask the Lord to help me because uh, I, I don't want this to be um, no doubt many of you have probably heard many lessons and uh, heard many things and uh, all I'm wanting to do is compliment what we have already heard and what we have been taught and what many of you elders have been raised with. Uh, I want to compliment that. I want to, uh, if there's anything that uh, I don't want to, uh, careful to say add because I don't want to add to the Word of God, but if we could together go on this trip of, of shedding understanding and uh, a greater love for it, I think if we could understand how God sees it, then we could love it better and it wouldn't be such a hard challenge to oppose it. Well, I've been a strong proponent that holiness starts on the inside. And, uh, and I want to work on the inside a little bit. And uh, from a scripture perspective, you know, I mean, obviously we could go down the road of holiness, you know, of the heart. Bitterness and hate and jealousy and unforgiveness. Uh, those are the things that are in the heart. And I, if I touch that, fine. That's really not the direction I'm wanting to go tonight. So I'm trying to put everybody at ease the best I can as a good pastor. Just relax. Just relax. It's going to be okay. It's not going to be uh, Benoit up here with veins popping out. You got the beginning. I gave you the beginning of the veins popping out about praise and worship. We, we, won't, get, we won't get no further than that. But John talks a lot about this. And uh, he, he touches on it. Brother Ron, all I can say is, Lexi, just wet that stylus, that pen of yours, and write, and we'll go as as we can, Brother Ron, because if you'd see my paper, how I wrote all this down, even I don't quite know exactly how I'm going to tie it all together, but I know the Holy Ghost will help us to do that. I want to start in John, and I want to start with John chapter 15. John chapter 15, I want to read these verses, Brother Ron, and I will give you this, then I'm going to go to John chapter 14. So Lexi, write that down. John chapter 14, and I'll start with verse 5 in a moment, but I want to read this as just my launching pad. John chapter 15 and verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me. Now, I want you to pay attention. I'm, and as I read it, I'm going to highlight some of these words or just say, look, note this, note this. Every branch in me, in me, note that, that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. And it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through 
the word which I have spoken unto you. Verse 4. Abide, here it is again, in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Now that right there, take note. Let me just put this in case I don't come back. You cannot manufacture holiness. If you try to do it on your own and say, I'm going to do this, do this. He said, anything that is done, and he's speaking of holiness or holy, abiding in Christ. And I'll define all that here in a minute. So I said, stay with me because I'm going to bounce all over the place. It's only defined by him. It's not defined by an organization. It's not defined by a church. It's defined by Christ alone. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You cannot do this alone. Except it abide in the vine. No more can ye. Except ye abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus speaking. Ye are the branches. He that abideth, there it is again, in me. And I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. That should cause every one of us just to go. This ain't about you. This is about him. I say again, praise ain't about you, it's about Him. Worship ain't about you, it's about Him. Living holy ain't about you, it's about Him. Being faithful to the house of God ain't about you, it's about Him. Living godly and and pleasing unto Him, it's not about you, it's about Him. It's not so God's going to give me more blessing, it's about Him and what He deserves. Five sums it up and says, without me, you can do nothing. Now, go to John chapter 14. Now, we'll go through this piece by piece, very, very slow, hopefully, if I can. Verse 5. There's everything about John, Jesus is dealing with it. John will, will face it. Uh, a, a little bit later, First John talks a little bit more, First and Second John as well, but he's dealing with Gnosticism, and, and basically Gnosticism, John in the beginning, Jesus saying in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word was made, man, or made flesh. In the beginning was the Logos, that's the Greek word for it. In the beginning was the thought of God, and the thought of God, uh, in the beginning was the thought, was with God, was God, and then that thought manifested itself. So what you have is, is you've got a, a God, God, thinker of the thought or thinking something and that thought that he was thinking became manifest, tangible real, Gnosticism said that the thinker has a thought but it's not real and basically that this pew's not real, we can have a thought but it's not really there, it's Jewish mysticism and, and, and just crazy crazy in, in, in the thinking of it, anyway John and, and Jesus are trying to connect this dot. And you see this theme going through. Especially in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. And they're trying to connect it. But Jesus really starts this thing in John chapter 14. 
And he starts, he says, in my father's house. Now, before we get into this, before we get into the, uh, the, the, the meat of it, I want to set this foundation. I'm fixing to read some scriptures, red letter. John chapter 14, starting with verse 5, or verse 6, I think, is when Jesus is actually speaking. And when we do, I want you to keep this in mind. If you don't have this or you struggle with this, this, this understanding, then it's going to be confusing to you. There's a dual nature to Christ. Is speaking and he's speaking of a father. You you can't. This is where I said we've got to undo the denominational false doctrines that have got in our mind. In the fact that there are two people or three people. Because when you read it, denomination has put in our thinking that this is Jesus talking about two separate people: the God the Father and God the Son. And that is not what he's talking about here. This scripture and what he's going to talk about is is the dual nature or he's referencing the dual nature. And when he is speaking, he is speaking as man and he's speaking of God in creation of a spirit. Understand? So when Jesus starts off here and he begins his, his talk with the disciples, he's leading them to this abiding. We're, we're going to abide. But he starts with him as the example. And that's where I can say this is dual nature. He's speaking of him as the example, the fulfillment of righteousness. He's the elder brother trying to show you and I from humanity's position. This is how you abide. Is everybody on the same page? I know we got babies crying. Just please stay, stay focused. Let them cry. Let them do what they do. But let's, let's stay focused here because if you miss some of this, you, you're, you're going to be in left field and, and you're just going to be left. <laughs> Left, left. The dual nature was him speaking for you and I. Hey, here's where we are as humanity. I'm coming to you trying to show you how my will has come in such unity with the will of the divine. My divine the divine will that's within me is in, and my human will is in such alignment that nothing can deter me from the purpose and the will that is set before me. And he then begins to say in verse 5, Thomas comes and here's the humanity. Thomas is humanity. We know that thou, whether thou goest, we're not where thou goest. How can we know the way? That's a wealth of information. Just that question, how do we know the way? Jesus comes to him and says, Jesus said, I am the way. The truth and the life. No man cometh to me or unto the Father but by me. This is where Paul picks up in the New Testament saying there is one man, a mediator, Christ Jesus. See the dual nature? All Christ was or much of what he's exemplifying is... I'm the middleman. I'm the mediator. If you're going to understand the things of God, this is why people struggle so much in Christianity and even Jesus. I understand he was God manifested in the flesh. But he gave us the examples by which you and I were to follow that would help us understand how to deal with our flesh. Because the thing that's robbing or would rob us from God abiding with us and in us. Oh, I got the Holy Ghost, but that doesn't mean he's abiding there. Now, let me qualify it. His spirit's there, yes. But is the abiding the continuing? Let, let me read the definition of abiding. Maybe that'll help 
clarify that statement. Abiding means to stay in place, give place, state, relations. Here it is. To continue, dwell, endure, stand. Here's a, a more in depth. To keep fellowship with Christ so his work can flow through me and produce fruit. Holiness and the Spirit of God living in you and I is more than just rules and regulations. Holiness is the holy presence of God living in us. That's why I said abiding is having fellowship with Him in us. You may have the Holy Ghost, but have you fellowshiped with Him? Then I'm not abiding. Does that make the definition or my statement clear? Because I don't want people leaving here saying, well, if I got the Holy Ghost, I thought that was a spirit. Yes, you got the spirit. But there's no fellowship, so therefore you're not abiding. Now let's go to John 14. I told you I'm going to bounce all over. Let's go to John 15 now. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. I'm the source of it all. And he said, you got to abide in me. And if there's not a connection between me and you, what good does it do to have the Holy Ghost and I'm not connected to him? Now, I'm going to piggyback off of a statement Brother Morgan made when he was here. Where's the flow stopped? As an evangelist, I used to go to churches and I could see it. I've made this reference before. You can see the Holy Ghost moving, moving, up it stopped. Moving, moving, it stopped. Moving, moving, it stopped. There's a dam right here. So what it tells me is one of two things. Either you're not in fellowship with God and producing true holiness, or y'all fighting. Because where there's true holiness, there's going to be a flow through you from that fellowship. And it produces a fruit. And it's not just Galatians, the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, meekness, temperance, long-suffering, goodness, faith, gentleness. It's not just those. There are other fruits in the Scripture that the Bible bears out. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm the mediator. Now, here's a, here's a note. If you have a pen and paper, you can write it down for those that are interested in, in, in oneness Scriptures. This, this will help you teach somebody. Folks, we got a, a slew of people that don't understand the oneness. And we got a slew of people saying the Trinity is the thing to go. The word Trinity is not even in the Bible. So the church needs to stand to attention, grab a pen and paper and say, okay, let me have some understanding of what God is that I can better teach this to somebody. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth, the life. Now, that's verse 6. Brother Ron, you don't have to go there. Let people just go there in their Bible. Because we don't have time to go back and forth. Skipping over to verse 15 of the same chapter. Jesus still speaking. If you love me, you keep my commandments. I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. Another comforter. Where another means, uh, or, or I won't leave you comfortless. Later on it talks about being orphans. Comforter that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17. Jesus still speaking. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Verse 16 said, Jesus speaking, I pray the Father, he will give you another comforter. He said that comforter is going to be the spirit of truth. So now I have a definition of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. Jesus just said in verse 6, which you see up there, no, go back to, go, go to, go to 14. 14 and 6, just stay right there. 14 and 6. The truth 
Hang on, I want you to see it. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. So that other verse that I read to you, he said, the Holy Ghost, I'm going to send a comforter, and it's going to be the spirit of truth. So now here's my question I pose to somebody. Is the Holy Ghost truth or is Jesus truth? If you believe that there's a God, the Son, Jesus, and he said, I'm truth, and then you believe the Holy Ghost is a God, the Holy Ghost, and it said it's truth, wouldn't it be a whole lot easier to understand that there's only one? And when you get Jesus, you got the Holy Ghost, you got truth, and you have them all? Verse 7, if ye had known me, ye should have known my Father. Also, and from hence, ye should have known him and seen him. Again, Jesus speaking in a dual nature. Philip said unto him, and we done went through Thomas, show us the way. Here's these guys asking questions that really, I'm not going to say that it just didn't fit. But it's like, where would you, why wouldn't you be asking questions to expound more? Why, why are you at, and Jesus even comes back with Philip. He says, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Look what Jesus says in verse 9. Have I not been so long with you that you didn't get it? He asks a question, and it's like he, he, he doesn't have the fulfillment of the revelation of this is more than just I'm a man doing tricks. Philip, this is more than me just saying some things and, and, and giving you some neat little sayings. Have I not been long enough with you that you could understand that if you had seen me, you've seen the Father? Now, we just said, Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth. And again, I told you, that's a message inside of itself because Thomas asked, what's the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. The way is truth. But Jesus gives a definition of what he is, truth. Then he goes over later in verse 16 and says, I and the comforter, I'm going to send a comforter. The Father will send. I will send a comforter. It will be the spirit of truth. So now Jesus is truth. The Holy Ghost is truth. And then Jesus says this about the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So now I have an understanding that Jesus is the Father, He's the Holy Ghost, and He's the Son. Is that making sense? And how saith then, shew the Father? You're wanting me to show you a demonstration. Now here it is. And I'm wanting you to grasp what all this is about. I'm trying to show you how he, I, we, how I abide in the divine alignment of the spirit housed in me. And how it's coming to you later that you are going to have to learn how to abide in the spirit. Because later, John says in chapter 17, verse 21, 22, I'll get to it in a minute, he talks about the glory. But then even before that, he starts chapter 16 and verse 1 of John, same, and he says, if you get this down, I'm paraphrasing, you won't be offended. What he means in offended, the definition means you won't stumble. Much of our stumbling 
is because of a lack of abiding of his presence in us in fellowship. We have it all figured out, Brother Fontenot. We have our plan. We have our figures. We've got our church cultures. We've got our church cultures. We've got our church cultures. And all I'm proposing to you is we better make sure that that culture's in fellowship with God and it's not a village thing. It better not be a Shady Grove thing. It better not be a Lake Charles thing. It better be a Jesus thing that the culture we're cultivating in this place is based on the Word of God. It's based on the principles of God. And it ain't based upon somebody's personality or some culture of some church environment. We need the presence of God to fill this place and that be the culture that this lost world sees, not our identity. I've seen it before. God will allow a church to be stripped of its identity. God will let the, the highest matriarch of that place or patriarch, prayer warrior, oldest person, uh, I mean, within reason, please, I mean, I got to qualify it. God will let something happen that will cause this thing to just, whoa, what in the world? You mean that's been lying dormant for all these years? I've seen it. Pedophilia come light come to light stuff that has been buried because somebody refuses to abide in fellowship with him that it would flow through you and I he says Jesus said I have been so long that you have not seen he that has seen me seen the father how saith thou then shew us the father now John chapter 16 you don't have to go there, Brother Ron. Just stay, if you would, stay right there with John. John chapter 16 and 28. I'm going to read verse 9 and 10 again, then I'm going to read 16 and 28. 9 and 10 says it again. Jesus answering him, I've been so long with you that you have not known me, Philip. He had no revelation. He said, you've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And how saith thou then, shew us the Father? Verse 10. Believe thou not that I am in the Father. Now watch these words. And the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but of the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Verse chapter 16, verse 28. Jesus saying again, he says in another way, he says, I came forth from the Father. And am come into the world again. So Jesus is saying, I come from the Father. Matthew 1 and 18 says that the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. And Jesus came from the Holy Ghost. Come on, y'all stay with me. So who's Jesus' daddy? 
I'm trying to put something in your spirit tonight that you don't have to, I don't want you to become militant and warlike against the Trinity. That's not what I'm advocating. What I'm advocating is, is you get a God revelation with a God confidence and understand you've got the truth of the mighty God in Christ and he's trying to reveal to you and I the mighty God in you. That if you abide in him, the same works that Jesus did, you can do the same. So who's Jesus' daddy? We got a, a, a messed up thing here. Jesus said, I, I come from the Father. Matthew says the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary and birthed that. So who's the daddy? Well, we know who the daddy is. One God manifested himself, impregnated Mary, took on flesh. This is where Paul talks about there was a mystery. You know, for great is the mystery of godliness. And for in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead body. All these, but the word mystery is connected to God. There's not a mystery to how many gods there is. The mystery is how did an I'm not present God. I'm not present means like oxygen. He's everywhere from here to Africa. That's him. How did a spirit manifest itself in flesh? That's the mystery. The mystery is not, do I pray to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. The mystery is one God manifested himself in the flesh. And that one God then said, I'm going to come to you again. I'm not going to send another comforter. I'm going to come myself and live in you. Because this holy God is trying to make you and I holy. And the only way you and I are going to be holy is that the holy presence of God lives in us. And we have fellowship with that presence. This is why people that don't believe in praying in the Spirit. You don't know your Bible. Because if you can't pray in the Spirit, that's the fellowship and the communion. When I don't know what to pray, pray the Spirit beareth my infirmity and the Spirit prayeth through me, for me. Is it a heaven or hell issue? I'm not going to go down that road. I've got my own take on it. But I will say, I question the abiding presence of God in fellowship if there's no spiritual unction that comes out of that individual. So we know there's only one spirit. Well, you get on the oneness and I get on praise and it locks up tighter than Job's hat band. I'm just trying to help somebody be saved through the word. <clears throat> there's, such a, there's such an attack against that word that, that, that challenges us to more that God has for us. I'll never forget what Brother Ewan taught me he with those young couples. We worked with those young couples, Brother Bill Smith. And he told me, he said, son, he said, you're the young marriage pastor. I want you to pastor them just like you. I trust you, blah, blah, blah. I said, I will, Brother Ewan. But after a course of doing all that, after pastoring them, something in me just kind of kept rising up and, and, and on and so forth. And I came to Brother Ewan and I, I kind of mentioned it to him. Or I might have said something. I don't remember exactly how I worded it. 
But here was his correction to me. He said, son, I don't want you to maintenance pastor them. I don't want you to maintenance pastor them. He said, that ain't what this is about. If they can't live for God because it's the right thing to do, let it be. And I've got that DNA in me, Brother Bush, now the same principle. I don't have a maintenance mindset. I've got a furthering mindset. That there's more God has for you than you can ever imagine. I don't care how gray your hair is. I don't care how crippled you want to blame yourself. I can't do that because of my body. God's got something for you. And I'm going to do everything in my power to challenge you to move from that pew and respond to God like he's been good to you. Believest thou, verse 10, believest thou not that I am. Verse 10, I'm going to go to 11 now, Brother Ron, but I'm going to read something for later. If you're writing down, you can write down Matthew chapter 20. Right? Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse 20. And then I'm going to go, you don't have to go there, Brother Ron. You can stay right there with John. 15 and 11. But Matthew 20, again, I, I want you to understand this spirit thing. For it is not, Jesus speaking, Matthew 10 and 20, for it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your Father which speaks in you. Jesus, again, talking about the Holy Ghost, talking about, folks, think about just the word, Holy Ghost. Let it kind of just sink. No trick question. He didn't call it the ghost. He didn't call it the, just the, he called it the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God. What he's trying to get us to understand is, is God in the beginning was holy. And that spirit is holy. And it's looking for a vessel to make holy. That's why when Jesus said it in John, you can't do anything by yourself. You can't add more. That's where we're at now. We can't add more rules. Okay, put up your phone because that's a TV now. You can't. Somewhere in all of this, we can hold to what we got. But we need to have the revelation of, if God gave me the Holy Ghost, He didn't just give it to me that I can talk in tongues and, and that if the rapture come at that moment, I can be saved. But He gave it to you and I that we can evolve and grow into holy creatures. So in Matthew, He said, the Spirit of your Father, it's in you, the Holy Ghost. Jesus, and these are just scriptures I'm going to give you. Spirit of Jehovah, Isaiah. 40 and 13. Spirit of God, Genesis 1 and 2. Spirit of the Father, Matthew 10 and 20, I just read. Now, the Bible says that there's only one Spirit. So if I'm going to start numbering gods, then you got to start throwing in Jehovah, God, the Father, Jesus, Holy Ghost. We got more than three, we got now six or seven. Benny Hinn says there's seven. But if you understand there's only one spirit and that spirit had a thought and that thought manifested itself in the flesh through the womb of Mary, then I can clearly understand there's only one spirit and that spirit is holy. 
Now, if you take that and go to abiding. His abiding presence, if you've got the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost in you is His presence, holy. It makes you holy on the inside. How you look on the outside tells me, how you look on the outside tells me the true holiness on the inside. So if people fight holiness, skirt length, men being dressed modestly, abstaining from worldly amusements, all these things that we're going to get into biblically. If we fight that, then there tells me there's a place of unholiness that don't want to let that go. Apart from understanding, well, I just don't understand. And that could be some that's just, I don't understand. But if it's not understanding, then there's something there that God's trying to birth in us. Holy. That it doesn't, I just remember, Brother Roger, when I came to God, I didn't have to have anybody to tell me what to do. I looked at the church, and you know what I did? I looked at some of these older men and, and women, and I looked at how they lived. That's why I always say this about our elders. You might not can run because you got a, a messed up knee or something, but you hear me, your example in this church matters. You're lifting your hands and you living godly and separated from these things. It matters because I got a young generation coming in and they're looking at you. I'm going to teach them and I'll do my part, but you doing your part is where me and you work together because there's some in here, they're going to just do what you do. That's why I say this. I, I didn't have any trouble, Brother Bushnell, when... You and I first talked about coming here in this regard. This church was already patterned on the old past. You kept that. So I knew I wasn't going to have to change a ship because a gate had already been open and things just kind of could happen however they wanted. I knew that all I had to do was come in and just reaffirm again what had already been established and planted in Indian Village United Pentecostal Church. You and I are some of the most blessed people Some of you elders, you need to give yourself a hand clap because you've stood. I'm not advocating perfection. But your example of godliness and, and, and fervency and, and just serving. Sister Sandra, old brother Lynn Markintel, I, I miss him. He'd get out and just walk. You're up there moving and praising. Brother Wade, I've seen you. These young couples need to see these older people worshiping and praising God. Here's the thing. I want to get to the end of my life and go, it's still good, ain't it, Brother Wade? Hello? I don't want to get to the end of my life and look over at Sister Betty Prune and go, oh, my God, if that's the one. I don't know if I want that. I want to look over at some elders and see that smile I see on Brother Smith and Wade say, it's better now than it's ever been before. I'm ready to meet the Lord if the Lord calls me home. Why? Because they've learned how to fellowship with the Spirit of God in them. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. Now, key, key words here, works. Now, I'm not going to contradict James, and Jesus was not either. What he's referring to is, and we're going to touch it here in a, in a moment, he's speaking of there are things, demonstrations of the Spirit. 
that God's wanting to do through you. And here's the, the, the if I could really give you a cliff note on this, it's about let him abide in you, but have fellowship with him in the spirit. And the next thing is, if that's there, then there's going to be fruit that's going to be bore. And the ending is, the glory of God will be there. You've heard me say this so many times. I want the glory of God in our church. The glory of God, the word glory, I've defined it. Doxa, the full weight of God's power. I don't want my throne to be in the way of God's power. I don't want my will to be in the way of God's power. I don't want our church culture to be in the way of God's power. But I want God to look down at me and you and say, I found me a people that has learned how to have fellowship with me in the spirit and let me abide in them. Because if I can abide in them, my works will be manifested. We won't have people come into our church and they leave with suicide. But they're going to come to the church and the church has changed the culture and there's an abiding presence of God not only in you, but on us, and the glory of God is released. I'm so tired of people leaving not delivered. I say it again, and I'm, I'm hoping, please, don't, don't get weary with me. I'm not trying to be melodramatic. I'm just, I've seen the end of this. I'm tired of people sitting on our pew, and they don't get a breakthrough from drugs. They don't get a breakthrough from molestation. They don't get a breakthrough from suicide. They don't get a breakthrough from domestic violence, and they're constantly in a battle. But God's challenging this church with the heritage that we have to have a greater amount of a fellowship with him that will release the glory of God this is what Jesus is trying to propagate by his example not between God junior and God senior he's trying to give them an example these are Jews they're monotheistic if they would have kept saying, if, he'd have kept, if he was talking about two gods, those monotheistic Jews, especially John, would have rose up and just said, what are you doing? Jesus or no Jesus? We're one God. We've been one God from the very beginning. But he was trying to show them the deeper meaning. The oneness is the door. That's why anybody ever tell you, that's why I get sometimes, I'm so careful. Because it's like, it just comes up on me out of nowhere. Today, I planned it. <laughs> Sunday morning, I gave you that scripture. I'll give it to you again. Go read where Jesus said, and he accepted the worship of, I'm God. It's a one scripture, but I'm so careful because I understand there are many people that aren't at the level where you and I are. So I've got to, I've got to give it to them in a level by which they can understand it. But for you and I, our meaning of the oneness should go greater and deeper and deeper. Why? Because we know it's by which the door that all revelation from God flows. It don't flow just from the Holy Ghost. It flows from you having a revelation that there ain't three gods, seven gods, ten gods. But here, O Israel... The Lord our God is one. That opens the door for the supernatural to move in you and I. And Jesus is trying to help them understand. 
not the oneness. That's why there's no contradiction or confusion here. He's trying to get them to understand the mystery that's coming their way. God's holy presence is fixing to live in you. And it ain't just a Pentecostal thing, a UPC thing, an ALJ thing, a WPF thing. It's a God thing. And when you get the Holy Ghost, you have an option. You can stumble. And that's why I've told people it better be you don't even get the Holy Ghost if you ain't serious. If you ain't serious about continuing, I'm not talking about falling and messing up and getting back up again. I'm talking about getting it because somebody pressured you to get it. That's why I cannot buy into pressuring people to come to an altar and praying them through. Because here's what I'm telling you. You're doing them more, you're doing them more harm. Because if the gift of faith's operating and in a sincere moment they repent and God fills them with the Holy Ghost, but they were never serious about making that commitment, you did them more damage than good by grabbing them in a pew and pulling them to the front. Because now they've done open that door. And if they don't continue, it'll become worse than it was before. Seven times worse. The battles and addiction. So Jesus is trying to get them to understand. This is chapter 14 of John is about abiding. It's about the oneness. But he wasn't trying to convert them. We read that and we think that, oh yeah, man, Jesus is trying to convert John. He was not converting John. They were monotheistic. One God Jews. He wasn't converting them. He was speaking completely as humanity, divinity, giving them the principle of abiding. And how when you let true fellowship with the Holy Ghost in you, it will lead to the works of God being manifested. He said, verily, verily, verse 12. When he says, verily, verily, I've taught this before. I'll say it again for sake of those that might have missed it. If you see verily, verily in there, it's Jesus literally being on his toes a little bit, a little bit more aggressive saying, listen, listen. Verily, verily is not in there because of somebody that didn't have the hearing aid up. It's there because he's trying to say, I need you to pay special attention. When you see verily, verily, tune up your ears. Because he's about to say something that's very important. He's saying, boys, listen to me. He that believeth on me, these works that I do, shall he do also. Do you see it? Man, it made me want to just shout in my office. We've heard that over and over. But now with the backdrop that I've tried to present to you here tonight by the help of the Holy Ghost... When you abide, let him abide in you. It takes the pressure off of you. So what do you say? What's the answer? Have fellowship with him. Pray like you've never prayed before. Seek him like you've never sought him before. For the hour is growing dark. And it's the 11th hour. And Jesus is about to come take this glorious church home. said greater works you'll do also and greater than these shall he do because I go unto my father and whatsoever ye ask in my name that should make somebody shout right there whatsoever you ask in my name 
But here's what's happened. Now listen to me. I'm, I'm going to come right where some of you are right now. Your faith is about that high, your relationship with God. And I'm preaching everything I got. My gut's about to flip over inside trying to reach to get you to understand this one thing. The devil has sold you a bill of goods. That's a lie. And because you're not seeing the response you want to see in a family member, you're not seeing the response you want to see in your home, you're not seeing situations. I'm telling you, it's a new day. And if you'll pick that little bit of faith you got up right now and put it with the faith that's in this word, what I'm trying to preach, I'm not preaching to you a sermon. I'm preaching to you a message from God. I didn't get this from a textbook. I got it from the word of God, and he's trying to challenge somebody. You shall do greater works. You're going to pray for that backslidden son and daughter, and something's going to happen. In my name that the Father may be glorified. Remember, Sunday morning, glorified is a verb. It's Him now saying, and that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Calvary's not in vain. And when miracles don't happen because I'm not abiding, Calvary takes the hit, proverbially. Calvary can do anything. It can heal, deliver. We know it saves, but it can do any, anything. Stay right there, Brother Ron. Stay right there. I'm coming to a close. I do want to finish this though. Deuteronomy, if you're right in Deuteronomy 7 and 9. Watch this. I'm going to read this quickly. Would you stay again, Brother Ron? Stay at John for me because I want to go back quickly. Deuteronomy 7 and verse 6. This is holiness. God speaking, the last constitution, the last writing, double reiteration by Moses to the people. God saying, you are a holy people through the mouth of Moses. You are a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. Above all people that are on the face of the earth. Now watch, verse 7. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you. He didn't love you because of your name. He didn't love you because of who your mom and daddy was. He loved you and chose you before you ever chose. That's why these people accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I'll never get it. Because basically what they're saying is, I choose you, God, first. According to Scripture, that's unbiblical. He chose me first. I'm accepting His call. He said, you didn't, I set my love on you. You, I, you. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number of any people. For ye were the fewest of people, but because the Lord loved you. And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn to his fathers. And the Lord had brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you. That's Passover. I say again. The, the power of Calvary. This is what's got to be so ingrained in our heart and our spirit. If Passover brought them out, then Calvary can bring anybody else out. That message never dies. That if somebody's 
bound, dead in sin, if you and I can get the blood of the Lamb to them through faith, preach it to them, teach it to them, love them to it, I promise you Calvary's got enough power in it. We don't need fancy lights and smoke machines to try to make somebody think God is here. If we'll just live Calvary, let Calvary do its work, it has enough power to redeem anybody from any sin. I'm still in that verse. Brought you out with a mighty hand. Redeemed you out of the house of the bondman from the hand of Pharaoh. Verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God. He's establishing it one more time. The faithful God which keepeth covenant and mercy. I say again to some mom and daddy. You dedicated that child. You hear me. God keeps covenant with you and I. And it may look dreary tonight. It may look fearful tonight. It may look hopeless. But I'm trying to preach some hope in somebody's soul. God don't break his covenant. If you dedicated them unto the Lord, God has a way of getting their heart. He's a faithful God which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments. To a thousand generations, your obedience today affects the next generation. I'm going to say that one more time. Zach, our obedience tonight, my obedience to the message he tells me to preach, it determines the obedience to my kids. That's why some people struggle with their kids. Look back at the obedience. Where was I disobedient? Because it makes a difference to the next generation. Does that mean it's hopeless? You got grandbabies. Let's make a difference now. It's never too late to course correct things that you and I did in our yesterdays and mistakes. John 14 again. Back, he said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I read already, I'll send you another comforter. I will not leave you comforted. Verse 18, Brother Ron. For I will come to you, Jesus speaking. So now who's coming to us? The Holy Ghost or Jesus? He said, I will come to you. He said, I'll send a comforter to you. I will not leave you comfortless. That word comfortless, it means orphanos. It also means fatherless. Jesus saying, I'm not sending you another comforter. I'm not going to leave you fatherless. I am the father, and I'm going to come to you just in another form. At that day you shall know that I am your father, and ye in me. Now go back to John 15. Abide in me, and I in you. Remember the works we were talking about? Go to John 17, and I'm closing. Musicians, come. John 17, 21. If you go back and read John 16, it talks about the world. Stand with me. I'm closing. Y'all can stand. John 17, verse 20, Brother Ron. Let's start with 20. Verse 20. Neither pray I. Here's Jesus. Now watch. This is what I find so awesome. Jesus says, I'm not praying for just you alone here. He's saying I'm praying for them. He's talking about us down the road. He's saying I'm praying for them that shall believe on me through there. The word there is speaking of the apostles. That's why the people say, well, I'm just going to believe Jesus' words. That scripture right there counteracts that. Because Jesus did not say, you can only just believe me and not believe the apostles. The whole New Testament, a lot of part of the books is all the New Testament disciples. Jesus said, I'm praying for you 
people down the road, 2023. You see what heaven is doing behind us? Look the prayer of Jesus back at about 28 A.D. Prayed a prayer that's still working today. You think you're alone in this? Jesus prayed for us way back then. And all those lost people that we're trying to reach, he's praying for them. And said, for those that will believe on me through the words of the apostle. Next verse. That they all may be as one. You see it? The abiding. It's not the oneness. That you would be at one with God. You see it, Brother Roger? He's saying that, that his prayer is, is not only that you receive the word, but that you learn how to abide in fellowship and be in complete harmony with God. I wonder if much of the ailments we fight in our mind, our spirit, our life is simply because we stepped out of a line and undercover. In other words, I've been in alignment. I've been undercover. I've been trying to abide. And I've been trying to have fellowship. But here at the very end, doubt started working on me. Worry started working on me. Fear started working on me. God ain't never going to answer my prayer, huh, Zach? That's what we say. And before long, we're now out of one with God or in alignment with God. And now we're trying to do it on our own. He said, my prayer is that you would be one just as I am with the Spirit of God and the purpose of God. As I am so in harmony, I want you to be that way too. And he said, I'm praying for you. It's not just a preacher with veins popping out trying to stir us and shake us and say, come on, you got to abide. It's Jesus' prayer working through that preacher trying to get you and I to understand his greatest desire for you and I is that we're at one with him. And he said, just as I and the Father, he's not speaking of two gods. He's talking about the harmony, the oneness of God, not in doctrine, but in abiding. I in thee that I also am being one, and that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Next verse, and I'm done. You see it? That the glory which you gave me, I have given them. You see it, Nick? I might just be preaching to myself tonight. I know I'm preaching to you. If me and you don't abide and have fellowship with God, like God called us to do, here's what's going to happen. We're going to fight heartache. We're going to fight broken homes, broken marriages, lost kids and all that because we're doing it. Our, that's why I'll do it my way. Go ahead, Frank Sinatra. Keep doing it your way. But if we'll do it the way God showed us in that word, here's what he says. My intention is not just for you to get a revelation of the oneness. That's the door by which all the supernatural flows. My intent for it is, is to you be at one with the Spirit of God. To you be undercover with the Spirit of God in such unity, submission, and obedience. And the way you do that is the more fellowship you have, the more obedient you are. People that struggle with obedience, it's just a lack of fellowship. But what God's trying to help us understand in this new year, if you come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, I can break the yoke of sin. I can break the hopelessness off of you. I can give you hope, but you've got to come. And if I'll have fellowship, we got the oneness. 
We got that backwards and forwards, man. But here's the kicker. How well do I have him abiding in me? Because here's the kicker. How many times have I prayed and the glory of God didn't move? And he said, my desire is that the glory which I have, it will be given to them that they may be one even as we are one. The glory of God is the full weight of God's power <sighs> resting on a believer. I'm not talking about you eternally saved or I'm not, no, 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 that's heaven. We'll be eternal. When we get there, we'll be glorified then. We ain't glorified now. So what he's saying is to get you through, Brother Joe, what we're going through today, if you'll just, just have fellowship with me and let my presence abide in you and, and a flow of that spirit is going to bear those fruits. The glory of God, the works of God will flow. Blind eyes will be opened. Deaf ears will be unstopped. The lame will begin to walk. Marriages will be healed. Minds will be restored. The fruit will be bore. Hebrews said it like this. One of the fruits is entering to his gates and let there be the fruits of praise. Where there's no praise, there's no fruits. I question the holiness that be within us. I don't know about you, but I want to be holy from the inside out. And the way I do that is, is I abide with him, but I lift my heart, my hand, surrender to him. God, I surrender to you tonight. I surrender my mind, my heart, my spirit. Folks, there's a great work of the Holy Ghost that God's wanting to do in this end time. There's something he's wanting to do for you and I like that we have never seen Indian Village. I, I go as far as to see, I believe even in this area, it's never been seen before. And God wants to do it for you and I. Do you want that tonight? Lift your hands and step out of that pew tonight and just ask God, God, I'm asking you tonight, please, Lord, help me to learn how to abide. Help me, God, in my fellowship with you. We're on a week of sacrifice. Fellowship with God is what he's wanting. It might not be perfect, but I promise you this. There's something that can begin to flow through you through it all. Another fruit is giving. Another fruit is loving our brother. It's not just Galatians, the fruits of the Spirit, but the fruits that he's saying in the vine that's got to be bored, that reveal that glory and the works of God is I love one another. I have peace with one another. I give to one another, and I'm a part of it. If that's you here tonight, lift your hands, lift your voice. God, right now in the name of Jesus, speak to our heart tonight. Come on, I said we're going to close with worship. This is worship. I'm not looking for a shout of praise. I'm looking just for worship. Worship is estimation from the heart. You see how big God is. Come on, the word says that greater things are you going to do. There's something greater God's going to do through you. Don't look at the past. We messed up as parents. We've messed up as friends. We've messed up in relationship. We've messed up in church. But you know what? The past is the past. What do you say we pick it back up with a new thing tonight and say, God, I'm ready to see what you have for me now. God use you. Let God use you. Come on, God wants to let His glory rest on you and I. Let it shine out of us. Let it operate out of us through the works of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is more than salvation. The Holy Ghost is the manifestation of God's provision for you and I to be in harmony and obedience to Him. Oh, 
Come on, just worship him for a moment. Speak in your body. I'm not going to push this long. I know we went a little bit longer tonight. But I really feel in my heart if somebody just from your belly, just for one more moment, just five, ten more minutes, just push your flesh aside and say, God, I want to worship you right now. I want everything Brother Benoit preached about it. I might not can remember it like he said it, but I want that. I want that. If you'll echo that back in your worship, God will reveal to you himself. That's what worship does. It reveals him to you. to me I close with this last last statement and I say this because I, I just I don't want anybody to leave here and think that I I would come to this pulpit angry at anybody here I have no no beef or contention with anyone here tonight. but I want you to understand when I first came here back in 2013 God very clearly showed me the spirit that this church was fighting I knew it back then I knew it every time I came. I couldn't touch it because the Lord told me not to touch it. I spent the longest revival here, I think a month and a half. I have to go back. I can correct myself on that if I'm wrong. I got it documented. I think it was a month and a half. And there was a reason. I kept asking God, why didn't I stay longer in Indian Village? Most places I stayed mine. Why? Because the Lord said, it's not time to deal with that spirit. There'll be a time that you'll deal with it. And I just kind of wrote it off and let it go. But here's one of the biggest battles. I'm not shooting or hitting at anybody, but there is a cloak, a residue of this denominational mindset that rests on this congregation. You know with me? You're apostolic in the heart. We are. We want that. But there's like a dampering cloth, Brother Mike Smith, that just kind of wants to just drown out. Not anymore. I mean, we're pushing praise and this worship. Everything going great. We're, we're, we're doing great. So let that go down. But what I'm trying to explain to you is this is the prevailing, tolerating spirit that's in this area and it wants you and I just to tolerate just kind of normal church you understand some of you elders y'all with me tonight brother Charlie ain't I tried it's just a tolerating spirit that just kind of says oh let's just kind of just have good quiet church and that's about it we hear a good message and, and that no 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 see the things have changed and I'm telling all this for this reason that's why many of you are fighting so hard that's why your family's fighting so hard, Brother Mike. That's why your family's fighting so hard, Brother Wade. That's why your family's fighting so hard, Brother Langley. Because we've made a turn in our worship and praise saying, I'm not going to be like that. I want to be apostolic in my... So when I make these statements about praise, I'm trying to drill it in our mind. We can't ever go back and just kind of settle. Because our praise and worship, our thanksgiving praise and worship is what's going to set an atmosphere for these people to see the glory of God that's going to change them. It ain't going to be because of my fancy preaching. It ain't going to be because of their fancy singing. It's going to be because we said, I want the glory of God to abide not only in me, but in our church and the culture of this church. One more time, just stretch your hands as high as you can. Tilt your head back and just tell him, from a heart of love and thanksgiving, God, I love you tonight. 
I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you've given. And I pray, God, you help me in every part of your word become what I need to become. God, I ask it in Jesus' name we pray.